Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Thank you all for coming. I'm glad you're here. And a little chill in the air. Fall's coming. How about that? That's good. Um, Sometimes we open up service with a prayer. Sometimes I read a scripture. This morning I'd like to open our service with a praise testimony. Is that okay? We have been blessed at New Covenant Church over the years to have great pastors. Does does anybody agree? Thank you. Pastor Darrell came to New Lampasas and it didn't look like this. The building wasn't here. Y'all weren't here. Uh, he spent years listening to God, doing what God called him to do, and helped build this to what it is today. A couple of years ago, we knew that we were going to have to have somebody take us on to the next phase of what New Covenant was going to be for the kingdom. And we got Pastor Chris Valdez, who has been a blessing ever since he came. Some of y'all uh, participated in this. You wrote notes of encouragement and thank you letters and was put together in a couple of books uh, by one of our nice, nice ladies that helped take care of this church. And she doesn't want me to mention her name, so some of you know who it is. We have some books. We have some books with all the appreciation letters and a couple of nice gifts that y'all presented or were able to help us present to Pastor Daryl. So I just want to give Pastor Chris and Pastor Daryl a very hearty thank you. Daryl, that was yours. That was yours. Thank y'all very much. Y'all been a blessing to us. Stand with me. Let's uh, open with a word of prayer and get ready to praise. Father God, we thank you that the seasons change, but you don't. Father God, you bring change into our lives, but you're our rock. You're our steadfast hold and anchor that we can rely on. Father God, you love us. You provide for us. We have hope for tomorrow because of who you are. We want to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's praise together. Y'all have a seat. I want to introduce somebody real quick. Our nursery director and our children's program director last year had a great, come on up, come on, start coming. They love being up front. Look at that, running. All right. Thanks, Candy. So last year we had a contest to help provide food for the Lampasas mission. So we handed out the bags and there was a contest. Who could raise the most bags or the most items, the nursery or the children's? So Candy and Tammy would like to talk about that again. Talk into the microphone. I will try. Hey, Tammy, do you remember last year when the church helped children's ministry win the Lampasas Food Drive Contest? We filled the most bags for the Lampasas Mission. Wait, Candy, nursery collected the most individual canned goods. Okay, okay, I guess you're right. I guess the church helped both of us. Yes, they did. <laughs> so how about this year, y'all helped nursery beat candy again? <laughs> so yes, we want, we're having another contest, and we want children's ministry to win. Don't worry about her over here. Just pretend she's not here. But in all seriousness, we really appreciate the giving of this church and the helping of the Lampasas mission. And so we're going to do it again. And out there in the foyer, there are bags that have items listed on it. If you'll take a bag, if you feel led to, and fill it with the items that are listed, and then bring it back by November 15th and put it on the table out there that says Children's Ministry. There's another table out there, but don't worry about that table at all. (laughs) And I really appreciate you, you guys. 
um, giving and helping out the people that are in need in this community. There's a lot of them, especially with what's going on in the world today. So, so thank you. And we're going to win. Yeah, no, we are. <laughs> okay, please welcome Pastor Chris, who's going to put like 10 bags on my table if he knows what's good for yeah, thank you. Well, now we're committed, I guess. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome. We're so glad that you're with us this morning. It's always uh, such a pleasure to be with you. First of all, I want to just say thank you to everybody who participated in uh, sharing those special notes uh, of appreciation for Pastor Daryl and I. You don't know how much that means to us. That was a surprise this morning, and we're, we're very thankful for that. I know we'll enjoy uh, looking at those and reading all those. Um, oh, on the sacks, I was just going to say, uh, thanks to the generosity of this congregation, they're already all gone. Every, <laughs> the ones that we put out for this morning, the first service has taken all those. Um, there are plenty of the papers, though, that she held up. And so, and that's really all that you need. It's the list of items, and it doesn't matter what sack they come back in. The, the mission will repack them in boxes to give out. So um, just grab one of those, those papers, and that'll tell you. And you can get as many sets of those as you want. So each, each paper is uh, one family's meal. And so if you wanted to provide two or three or four, you, know, you can do as many as you would like. And then the church will uh, add a turkey with each one of those. So, um, and we, golly, I, don't, I should have looked that up. I think it was over 90 uh, that we did last year. And so uh, the winner is, is the mission and those uh, that need help uh, preparing that Thanksgiving meal. So uh, whoever, even though I will be supporting my wife, um, whoever you choose to support will appreciate it. Well, this morning, we're going to be finishing up this series that we've been on, Beholding Jesus Christ. And uh, there's been so much that God has just been uh, speaking to me personally and convicting me personally on, and uh, that's the case in this message as well. Um, as, as I shared previously, one of the things that I did during the series was read through all the Gospels, and I did recommend, not, not that you had to do that, certainly not all of them, but I did uh, suggest if you had time to pick one gospel um, and read through that and just see what God might show you through that. But he showed me a lot of different things and different things stood out that, hadn't, that I had not personally seen before and some things that I had to repent of. And if you know what that word repent means, uh, it, it, one, one definition is to change direction. So if I were walking this way and were to repent of this, I would turn 180 degrees and now I'm walking this way. If I was, the other uh, definition would be to change your mind. So when we repent of something, it's really just that we're changing our mind. Uh, we thought one way and now we're thinking another. And so there was some things that I thought one way about that as I read through the Gospels and was preparing these messages that God showed me, the way I was looking at it was wrong. And I shared one of those with you in one of the previous messages. It was actually one of the first ones that we did that I thought if someone were to behold Jesus Christ, and that word behold means to encounter, to see, to experience, to be with. If you were to behold Jesus Christ, that there's no way that that wouldn't be enough. 
enough to see who He was, enough to know that He was the Son of God that came to take away the sins of the world, that He was worthy of being followed, that He was worthy of laying down our own life and following Him as our Lord and Savior, that there was no way you could behold Him and that that wouldn't be enough. But if you read through the Gospels, you see over and over and over and over that people beheld Jesus Christ. They saw Him. They encountered Him. They experienced Him. We even saw in one of the messages that, that we, and I think that was just last week, when, when Jesus uh, was talking about communion and that they'd have to eat His body and drink His blood. Many of His own disciples walked away. They decided they couldn't follow him anymore. Yet they'd seen him. They'd seen the miracles. They'd heard his teachings. They'd seen him living it out every single day, the perfect walk of following the Father. And it wasn't enough for everyone. At the end of the day, each of us has to choose and decide if what we have beheld, if when we have beheld Him, He's enough. And if we believe who we've beheld, and if we repent and change our mind, Candy can testify that I'm not easily swayed on changing my mind. I'm pretty hard-headed. There's very, (laughs) yeah, Jerry, amen, Jerry. You and me, brother. Apparently there's only two of us. (laughs) Have you ever heard that saying, it's my way or the highway? There's that old song, I did it my way. I am who I am. Take it or leave it. This is just who I am. We have an attitude as a nation, as a culture, and I'm sure it goes beyond our nation. We have an, it's, it's an attitude of free will that's given to us by God where we have to decide and we all start out in sin deciding that we're it. We get to decide. We choose. We're going to make the calls. And one day we all come to a place where we behold Jesus Christ. We encounter Him and we have to decide if we're going to repent, if we're going to change our mind and take us out of the throne and put Jesus Christ in it. Or we walk away leaving ourselves in that seat saying, no, I still want to just do it my way. And so as I've gone through this personally, I've repented of some things. I know there's still things that I am not in line with God on. And my prayer is that God would have mercy on us, grace for us, that He would keep revealing to us that we might see. And this morning's message, the title of this message, is Behold and See. And I gave you the definition a minute ago. One of the definitions includes see. So it's kind of a play on words. What I'm hoping that uh, we can do in my prayer is that we will see and see. And there is an account. And words are really important, and I'm using that word very specifically. There is an account this morning that we're going to be looking at. It's going to be in John chapter 9. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. 
But there is an account there, and I say account because it's not a parable. It's not a story. It's something that actually happened on a day, just like today in the life of Jesus. He woke up on this morning and started the day and they ate breakfast and they got the disciples together and probably had a conversation and said, hey, we're going to go to the city today. And they got up and they started going. And this is a literal account. This happened. It was real. And when we read the Bible, we need to understand that that this is real. It's true. This happened. It's history. So let's jump into John chapter 9, verse 1. On this day in Jesus' life, it says, He passed by and he saw a man that was blind from birth. The first thing I want to point out here is that word saw. That's the word do, the one that in other places is translated as behold. So in this case, this whole series, we've been talking about us beholding Jesus Christ for who he is. In this case, it says that Jesus Christ beheld, saw, encountered, experienced this man, this man who is blind from birth. And we're not going to, we don't have time to sit on this too long, but I wanna, I'm going to give you this thing to, to take home and study for yourself. Who does Jesus Christ behold when he encounters you? Jesus beheld this man. What did he see? He saw a blind man who was blind from birth. And we're going to see the rest of the story in just a minute of how he interacted with this guy. But he beheld him. And he beholds each of us. Who is he beholding and who are we beholding of him? So then his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The first thing that stood out to me in this account is that the blind man didn't ask to be healed. There's many other accounts where, you know, someone was literally crying out from the street or from the middle of the crowd saying, have mercy on me, son of David. Uh, lepers and blind and lame people, some came to him specifically for that purpose. But this man was just sitting there like he did every other day with his cup asking for, for uh, donations that he might have enough to eat. That's what he did. He was a beggar. And he's like, I'm just here minding my own business. And the disciples, and that's the second thing I want to point out, is that it's the disciples that start this conversation. When you hear a question like, who sinned, this man or his parents? In my mind, I would think, oh, that's got to be a Pharisee. Or a Sadducee, or one of the scribes. No, it was one of the disciples. The disciples were asking this question of Jesus. And there's a debate that comes in here in, in theology and interpretation of Scripture. Um, when you read this as it stands, it sounds like Jesus says that he was blind for the purpose of being healed on this day. 
And that's the way I've normally read that. If you just read it the way it's punctuated, that's the conclusion you would come to. And it's possible that that's the interpretation. How many of you know that God gets to do what God wants? <laughs> so this, that interpretation doesn't line up with what we would say is fair. You know, for this guy to live his whole life blind, just so on this one day Jesus can come along and heal him, that's just wrong. That's, that's not fair. It's not right. We wouldn't call that justice. But if that's what God chose to do, we don't get to judge. It's not one of our... Uh, he hasn't given us that option. But there is another way to interpret this. And the way that this comes up is that uh, Hebrew, the Hebrew written language does not have punctuation. And most um, ancient languages did not have punctuation. And so how many of you know, if you know anything about the English language, that you can take a sentence and move the punctuation around and totally change what's being said. There, I, I, there's one that's kind of humorous. I, I, I'm not thinking of it now, but I just know it's like either you're eating your grandmother or, you know, you, you, you know it's, it all, it's all just because you move the punctuation around or you're going to eat with her, you know. Um, so anyway, there is a way that you can read this scripture and it, it's, we'll put it up on, on the screen. And this way reads, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, period, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. So just moving that period and the commas around, now Jesus is just saying it wasn't his fault and it wasn't his parents' fault. And because it's day, I've got to work the works of my father who sent me. And he goes on, and then we'll, you know, we'll see what happens in the rest of the story. But that totally changes uh, the way it's read and could put it in the context of what we would say is more right and fair. But again, either way, it doesn't really matter. I mean, God could do it either way, and we don't know where the periods and commas are supposed to go for sure. What we do know, and Jesus uh, made it very clear here, is that the reason that sin and death, and I'm sorry, death and disease uh, came into the world is because of sin. It was because of the choice of man. We made a choice, and these are the consequences. So, and, and we all know that disease and death and all of those aren't a, uh, they don't care about who you are or what you've done. Life just happens, and it's because of sin. And Jesus was making that very clear. So none of us can look at any individual person who may get sick or have somebody in their family die or anything like that and say, oh, God's judging you because you did this wrong. It doesn't work that way. But what we see is that in the midst of that, Jesus comes and encounters us, that we might behold him and see him. And then we'll pick up in verse 6. It says, having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seen. The blind receiving their sight was one of the prophesied messianic miracles. This was one of Jesus' credentials. 
So the prophets in the Old Testament had said the things that the Christ would do when he came, and Jesus was doing those things. John the Baptist sent his, his disciples to Jesus on a day and asked Jesus, uh, Are you the one? And that's after when Jesus, when he first encountered him, that was one of the first messages we said. John the Baptist was the first one that said, Behold, he's the Lamb of God, the one that comes, away, comes to take away the sin of the world. But when he ends up in prison and things, circumstances don't look like they're playing out the way he thought they were supposed to, he started to question, is he really the one? And he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, and Jesus said, go tell them that the blind see and the lame walk and people are being healed. Because those were his credentials. He said, the Father is telling the people over and over and over that what I'm saying is true. And you can believe it, because if it wasn't true, the Father wouldn't be using me to heal all these people. And then we also see that Jesus made mud out of the spit and put it in the guy's eyes. How many of you would want that, especially right now? It doesn't sound too appealing, does it? And remember, this guy didn't even ask to be healed. He's like, I was just sitting here. I was making money. I was asking for, I was just begging like I do every day. And then somebody said something about, you know, who sinned? This guy, his parent, you know, I just was minding my own business. Now I got spit mud in my eyes. He's like, what? What's going on? And one of the things that we want to see here is that Jesus didn't do things the same way. He healed blind people many times. One time he just touches a guy's eyes. One time he spits and just put spit in a guy's eyes. Here he's making mud. He did it different every single time. And one of the reasons is because we're big on doing the same thing the same way. And God, the Father, and Jesus wanted to make real sure that we were more focused on the who was doing it and on the message that was being spoken and not on the how. If he had done the same thing every time, we would still be doing the exact same thing every single time and just saying, well, maybe it'll work this time. But Jesus said very clearly, I do what the Father tells me to do, and I say what the Father tells me to say. And guess what? It's different every time. So you have to follow Him like I'm following Him. And if you follow me, you're going to the Father because I'm following Him perfectly. That's the example that Jesus was living. And remember, at this point, this man hasn't even seen Jesus. He's still blind. So not only does he walk away blind, but he walks away with mud in his eyes. He had to make a choice in that moment whether or not he was going to do what Jesus asked him to do. Remember, he didn't ask to be healed. As far as we know, he didn't even know who Jesus was. He was just there. But something in that moment, something when he beheld this man, Jesus, stirred up enough 
in him that when this guy spits in the dirt and rubs it in his eyes and tells him to go wash in a pool of Siloam, sends him to the place called Sint, something in him says, okay. He could have chose to go to the nearest water around. I'm sure there was something closer. Mike shared, he looked it up in the last uh, message and said he found that there was something like just around the corner, there was another pool he could have gone to. But this place was over half a mile away. He could ask Jesus, which other people did. The, the centurion said, well, why can't I go to this river? It's better. He could have said, well, can't I go to the pool that's closer? He had to go there blind, have someone lead him to that pool And he does it. He chooses to believe Jesus. Even though he didn't ask for this. Even though he doesn't know who he is. He says, okay. And we just read, he does, he washes, and he can see. And when he comes back, Jesus isn't there anymore. He's gone. And verse 8 says, The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, It is he. And others said, No, because, but it's someone who's like him. They're saying he looks like him, but it can't be him because this guy can see. He can't see. And he kept saying, I am the man. And so then they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he says, I don't know. He was gone when I got back. Verse 13, they brought to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. And now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who's a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes. And he said, He's a prophet. So moments ago he was a man. Now maybe he's a prophet. Verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man again. You know, this is a pretty full day for this guy. (laughs) He's like, I did not think I was going to be here when I got out of bed this morning. He's back again. 
and they say to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. What do you want to hear? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? (laughs) They They don't like that. And they reviled him saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. We know. I know. It's our way or the highway. We believe one way. We've got the word and the law of Moses. And what this guy is talking about is trying to get us to change our mind. And we will not change our mind. We know something else has to be wrong. Give God glory. That's fine. But we're not going to give God glory for that sinner who did it. And the man saying, look, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. What I know is I was blind and now I see. Four times they asked him, how were you healed? Once the people asked the man. Once the Pharisees asked the parents. And twice the Pharisees asked the man himself. How were you healed? And he tells them the same thing over and over and over. They literally didn't want to see the truth. They couldn't repent of what they know, of what they believe. The people were afraid. His parents were afraid. They said, if you admit that this guy's the Christ, you're going to be kicked out of the community. You can't come back to the synagogue. You're going to be a pariah. So they were afraid. They couldn't admit he was Jesus Christ. So they all just kept asking these questions. But they were asking the wrong question. They were saying, how was this done? Instead of, who could do such a thing? Who, who is this man that can give sight to someone who is blind from birth? And that man said, only someone who follows God, only someone who's doing the will of God could do something like this. No one's ever heard of someone giving sight to someone who is blind from birth. And he kept sharing his testimony. All I know is I was blind and now I see. At this point, the blind man still hasn't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In verse 11, we read, he was the man Jesus. In verse 17, he says, maybe he's a prophet. We know prophets have done amazing things in the past. And we also know that he beheld Jesus as a healer, because when he obediently chose to do what Jesus said and go to the pool Siloam, go to the pool 
that he was sent to, that was called sent, and did what Jesus said. He was healed. He had beheld a healer, but he didn't know he was the Son of God. His only testimony at this point was he opened my eyes. We also know that the Pharisees were real mad. (laughs) They weren't happy. They were mad that Jesus broke the law. He had worked on the Sabbath. Spitting in the mud and making that clay was work. Applying it to the man's eyes was work. And causing him to be healed was work. And he should have never done those things on the Sabbath because you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. Instead of praising God for the miracle that was worked through Jesus, they were looking for evidence to prosecute him. But if they had honestly considered the facts and stopped asking how and started asking who, who could be responsible for such a thing, the answer they would have had to have admitted was only God. Only God could do such a thing. God has to be working through this man. God is putting his stamp of approval on this man over and over and over. And he's saying he's God's son. It must be true. But they refused. They couldn't repent. They couldn't change their mind. They couldn't believe it because it didn't line up with what they knew. And how many times do we refuse to line ourselves up with the Word of God and the spoken Word of God through the Holy Spirit in our heart when we know that we know that we know that He's telling us what we're doing or what we're thinking is wrong, but we refuse to believe it because we know. We know. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do what I want, when I want how I want. And then I'll say I'm following Jesus. In verse 30, the man answers, and he says, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us. And they cast him out. At this point, he still doesn't know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He hasn't even seen Jesus with his own eyes yet. That being said, I believe this was a revelation from the Holy Spirit. The the Old Testament is full of times that the Holy Spirit, it says, would come upon someone and they would utter the words that he gave them. And when you think this man was born blind, would not have been able to go to school, would not have had any opportunity to get educated, had lived his entire life as a beggar on the side of the road, that's not a statement he comes up with on his own. 
And I believe the Holy Spirit filled him and he proclaims this truth in the middle of these learned people who know the truth. And rather than believing it and seeing the wisdom and the word of God in his words, they cast them out. And at this point, I don't think this man knew exactly what was going on. Now he's outside of the synagogue. You know, again, like I said earlier, this has been one busy day. He's like, okay, I woke up blind, met this man named Jesus. He put mud in my eyes, went to the pool, like you said, got healed. Everybody asked me a bunch of questions. Now I'm kicked out of the community. But I know one thing. I was blind, and now I see. And it's at this point, after being cast out of the synagogue, that he beholds Jesus again. And this time, he can see him. Verse 35 says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said... Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I might, may believe in him? I want to stop here. There was something that just in worship that, that came to mind. This wasn't in the first service. But it just jumped out at me that at this point, Jesus is saying, Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the one who came to take away the sin of the world? And he says, show me that I might believe. That's the heart we need to have. That we need to come before God and say, I don't know. I don't see. But show me that I might believe. Open my spiritual eyes that I might see. I want to see. Open my eyes so I might believe. I want to hear your word. I want to say what you tell me to say. To everybody you want me to say it. But you have to open my ears. I want to believe. Show me. Heal me. And Jesus says, You have seen him, and it's he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. There's multiple accounts in the Old Testament where an angel would come and do something or say something, and the person, just because of the glory and the awesomeness of the angel, they would want to bow down and worship them. But over and over and over they said, whoa, I'm not God. I'm just a messenger. You give the glory to him. You give the honor to him. You worship him. But when this guy falls down to worship worship Jesus, Jesus receives the worship because he is who he said he was. And he opened this man's eyes and now he can not only see, he can see. And his spiritual eyes being opened is a far greater miracle than his physical eyes being opened. And then Jesus said, 
For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who may who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Are you calling us blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. How many of us see but don't see? We see with our eyes and we think like the Pharisees. We see with our spiritual eyes, but we may be blind to the truth. And we can have a heart like this man that says, show me God. Open my eyes that I might really see and I'll believe. Open my ears to hear and I'll hear and I'll follow. But we have to have a heart that's willing to repent, to admit that we were wrong to admit that we've been wrong in so many areas and have a heart that's willing that says, Lord, every time that you show me that I'm wrong, I'll repent and I'll turn and I'll follow your will because I know you're right. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if I don't understand it, you're right. And my prayer will be, Lord, Show me so that I might believe. Show me that I might see. Show me that I might hear. Earlier in the series, we we talked about the man that said, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's being honest. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help me in every area that I'm wrong. Open my eyes so I can follow you. We need to ask ourselves and prayerfully ask the Father, do I see but not behold? Do I not behold you for who you really are? Or am I deceived and just think I see? Jesus was clear that the Pharisees had their physical sight, but they couldn't see anything spiritually, and they refused to even consider that they might be wrong. We, just, we live in a time where all the decisions have been made. Very few people would even have any type of conversation with somebody else that disagreed with them because who's going to change anybody's mind? Who would ever repent? Who would ever admit they were wrong? But that's what we're called to do. God says, come to me. Look at my truth. See who I am and follow me. Believe me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, the light of the world. I'll bring the light to the darkness. But we have to come to him willing to repent, to change our mind, and to see what he might have to show us. We're going to look at two passages real quick before we close. In Matthew 13, 15 through 17, Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah and he says, For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are you for your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Father, grant us spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear that we might be like Jesus says there, blessed to those who really hear him, that those who really see him for who he is. And then in John verse chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He's saying, whoever follows me will really see. The light's going to be on. And you can see. But we have to choose. Are we going to believe what we see? Are we going to believe what we hear? Are we going to do what we hear? Are we going to say and repeat the words that God gives us to repeat and tell other people? This man was not ashamed to share his testimony. He said, all I know is this morning I was blind, but now I see. Even if that gets me kicked out of the community, even if that gets me put out of the church, this happened. It's true. Are we going to believe what he shows us? Are we going to repent when it's totally in opposition to everything that we think we know? Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows him will see. We don't have to walk in darkness anymore. We just have to believe and trust him for who he is and follow him. The light of life. Let us be willing to repent and change our mind when it's contrary to the word of God and pray that he'll open our spiritual eyes that we can see and our spiritual ears that we can hear and our heart that we might receive him. Will you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us so much to make a way. Thank you for loving us enough to give us a choice. Father, I pray that when we see, when we encounter you, when we behold you, when we experience you, that we will make the choice to believe you and follow you. Lord, I pray like the Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, on the road to Damascus, he was blind spiritually. He could not see, even though he thought he could. And you encountered him. You beheld him. You beheld that man in such a glorious light that he became physically blind. And you not only opened his physical eyes, but you opened his spiritual eyes. Lord, and the word says that scales fell from his eyes and he could see. 
Lord, I pray for this body and for the body of Christ, Lord, and for the lost in the world, that when they encounter you, the scales will fall from our eyes and we can see you and we can see your kingdom. We can see that it's around us now, Lord, that you are at work right now. And you're calling laborers into the harvest, Lord. You said the the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, Lord. Let us see your harvest. And go to work with you in what you're doing. Open our ears to hear your voice that we might say what you're saying. Lord, entrust all the results to you knowing that there's going to be people who will behold you and still choose to walk away. Lord, give us the faith and courage and strength to keep pressing on and keep proclaiming you and keep proclaiming the good news and the truth that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The one who came to take away our sin. The way, the truth, and the Lord, we give all glory and all power and all praise to you. Let us see. Only you can allow us to see, Lord, and we ask you that you heal our eyes. In your name we pray. Amen. You can stand with us as we close in worship, and Elder and his wife are available to pray with you if you have any uh, need of prayer. I just pray that you would come before God in this time of worship, asking him to open your spiritual eyes, asking him to open your spiritual ears and your heart and believe that he will and can do it.
something that was kind of scary. Jesus was walking and he beheld a man. He said, what, if, what would Jesus see if he beheld you? And it scared me. Because I say and do dumb things regularly. But let me encourage you, if Jesus is to behold you, he overlooks your dumb things. He sees what you were created for. He sees the God in you. He sees himself in you. So just like that man who was blind and Jesus rubbed spit mud in his eyes and he sent him. The man wasn't blind when Je- wasn't able to see. He was still blind when Jesus sent him. So he actually went blindly to do what Jesus called him to do. In your walk this week, ask God, God, where would you have me go? And if he asks you to do something that you're not comfortable with, like find your way to this pool a half mile away while you got spit mud in your eyes and you can't see, go because Jesus sees something in you that you haven't seen, but he knows that you have the faith to be able to walk it out, to be able to do it. There's the strength in you provided by him that you can complete the task that he's called you to do. Just step out blindly. The testimony that comes out of that is going to bring glory to the kingdom. And it really won't be because of anything you've done. Because really apart from him, we're nothing. Amen. I'm not. I'm nothing apart from what God has for me and what he does through me. Let this be your testimony. God called me and I went. And he takes care of the rest. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a few things that you need to know about for this upcoming week. If you're on the greeting team or you would like to be, would you please wait right after service 1145? Are you all going to be in the fellowship hall? Going to be in the fellowship hall over here on this side. Go meet with them. We need people. As you come through the door, you've seen them. They're lovely people. They make you feel welcome. We need people to help us do that. Uh, this next week, Saturday, October 31st, two things are happening. First thing, 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday right here, there's a concrete truck, truck going to show up. We need people that know what to do with that concrete to help us put in tee boxes for the golf course out back. So if you want to do that, come help us. If you want to learn how to do that, come help us. All right? We just need hands. The next most important thing next Saturday, anybody knows what happens at 2 a.m. on Saturday night? has nothing to do with Halloween. Time change. Amen. We get an hour of sleep back. Praise God. I like that. Okay? Set your clocks back next Saturday or you'll be here for the first service. Okay? Monday, November 2nd at 7 p.m., we're going to meet here in the auditorium and pray for a minute for our nation, for the election and everything is going to happen. God's going to have his will and we're going to have our part to play in it. So come pray with us on Monday night and then Tuesday morning, go vote. Okay? Please remember that. Last couple of things, Friday, November 7th, another thing right here in the, in the uh, auditorium, throne room encounter at 7 o'clock. A precious time to just spend time in God's presence. There's no message. There's no word. There's no agenda. It's just a time and an atmosphere to you to spend time in God's presence. It's a good thing to do on Friday night after some of the weeks I've had. Sunday, November 15th is the deadline for our food drive. Bring your items. Put them on the table. Uh, put some on my wife's table, please. Uh, appreciate that. And, and, and again, every bag that gets filled, the church is going to provide a turkey to go with that. So the families will be blessed. Thank you for listening to this week's message.